Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Okay, I just full-blown fucking broke their couch, sat down, and just kerplot. Everything fell. But welcome to another solo episode. This one is one that I've been promising for a while now and have kept saying that I'm going to talk about. And it's a conversation I've been having with friends all the time and a lot of you in my DMs. So let's talk about sex, baby. Specifically, sex as parents, because it's a whole new fucking ballgame. I came prepared, you guys. I have notes. So for solo episodes, sometimes I'll do this, sometimes I won't. But This one specifically, I tried to build out like an outline. So we're going to talk about my experience, then some stuff that you guys wish people talked about more, and then some of your experience. This is my public PSA to my parents, my in-laws, my grandparents. Please don't listen to this episode. There's just no need. Come on in, take a seat. So let's start off like sex life pre-baby because I think that plays into this and the difference of it all. So for me growing up, like sex was a very talked about discussion. My mother is a very openly like let's chat about sex from a very young age. And I don't know. I just – I don't know. I don't – it's interesting. I don't know if I'd say I'm like a – actually, I guess I am a sexual person. I think my friends would describe me as that. So I love sex, okay? Whatever. A lot of people do. I think most of us do. So growing up, sex was just like a topic of discussion. And I had sex at a young age for the first time, an age that I hope our eventual children are not having sex at. But that's a different story for a different day. Pre-having a baby – Sex can be spontaneous. It can be in the moment. It can be like, ooh, this is a fun thing that just like happens. You kind of lose that when you have a child or you lose a bit of it because the reality is you have a kid. Like there's someone else in your space. There's someone else that is having to be taken care of. There's someone else's schedule that has to be accommodating. And then to lay on top of it, you're fucking tired. Tired doesn't even come to describe it. You're exhausted. 
you've gone through these bodily changes that we'll get into, and there's a lot on your mind. So sex changes. That's the reality of things. I'm not necessarily saying it changes for the worse, but it changes, and that cannot be denied. I, I, I really don't think it can. So, okay, sex life pre-baby, that's all that really needs to be said. We could do a whole other episode on that and talk about sex, whatever. But sex life pregnant. And a lot of you have messaged asking me about this. I think I touched on it in an episode and I don't even remember what episode it was. But like first trimester sex, what the fuck is, what is sex during the first trimester? Do not touch me. Do not come near me. I was laying on the couch trying not to vomit the entire day. I honestly don't even know if we had sex once. I Actually, I can recall there was one time during my first trimester. So like non-existent. Sex during my second trimester. I actually got horned the fuck up during my <laughs> second trimester. Like I hit this period where I was really horny and we had some great sex during my second trimester. And I think that's actually common for some people. I'm not saying that like if you're not feeling that way, something's wrong at all. Everyone's experience is so fucking different. And talking to friends who are pregnant now with another kid, they didn't experience this the second time around because you're like simultaneously caring for this other child. So you lose that element of it. But for me, first pregnancy, that second trimester great sex. Then you had a period where it's just like uncomfortable. Okay. So third trimester, I just, it, it's not as comfortable. I'm so tired. My body hurts. Everything is just feels different. And it wasn't that regular or like frequent. So that's sex during pregnancy. Then you have the baby, okay? So for me, I think it's always important to share, like, context. I had a healthy, pretty easy vaginal delivery. I obviously, if you know me, I had an epidural. But Liam was a small baby. We had done so many perineal massages. I was, like, doing all of the things to, like, ripen my cervix. And I didn't end up tearing. I got like two stitches, but my doctor was like, I don't even consider this a tear. So for me, the like vaginal recovery was actually pretty easy. And that's all to say, I can't even imagine going through this experience that I'm about to discuss, having had like serious vaginal trauma during delivery, because that's a whole other added layer. So obviously you have the baby sex is not at all at the top of your mind. The idea of something ever entering your vagine is terrifying. And you go through this like first six weeks and it's just a fucking whirlwind. The comical thing is that after only six weeks, you go to a doctor and you're suddenly, for the most part, unless there was something that needs more time, cleared for like activity, return to normal life and sex. Six weeks? My body just took nine months to do this. And in six weeks, you think that I'm back to normal? Absolutely not. And I remember coming home from my six-week appointment, being like cleared for sex and being terrified of the idea of having sex. 
I said that to my husband. So he was like, okay, then we don't have to have sex. And I'm like, yeah, we don't. So I think I waited until more like eight, nine weeks. And I remember literally feeling like I was losing my virginity again, like the buildup. I just remember being so scared, so scared and also nervous and like, what was it going to feel like? I don't know. I had those butterflies of literally losing my virginity again. Like it transported me to being 15, driving to my then boyfriend's house, like knowing we were going to have sex, like sitting in the car because we knew that his house was empty and being like trying to make conversation while simultaneously knowing that we were both about to go like lose our virginities. So fucking wild. And I felt this way, which is so comical because I've been with my husband for 15 years now. We've had plenty of sex. But it just felt like this whole new experience. And I literally felt like a teenager. And I texted my friends also because I think it was like planned in a sense where I was like, okay, I think I feel ready. And so it was like, okay, once we like put our son to bed, we'll try to have sex tonight. So there was that like looming feeling of expectancy. And I remember texting all my friends being like, I'm so fucking nervous. I'm about to have sex again. And I don't even like it was as if I was doing it for the first time. It literally mentally felt like that. Simultaneously, I was just scared of what it was going to feel like. I just pushed a baby out of my vagina. Like, is this going to hurt? And my body was different than what I'm used to. And I wasn't self-conscious. It wasn't that. But it was also like I was breastfeeding. And so uh, my boobs were they were doing some things. And if you ever watch that show, what was that show? Sex Life or something? It was some like really fucking steamy porno show that was big during COVID, I think. And she's breastfeeding. They're having sex in the car and all of a sudden milk starts spraying everywhere. Well, that is because the first time we had sex, there was some milk leaking. And it definitely wasn't, it didn't hurt as badly as I thought it would. Like for me personally, again, this is so dependent on every person. But it wasn't like, oh, this feels amazing. I love this sex. It was still like kind of painful. Gradually, that got better and better. So then you hit a point where it was no longer painful for me. If you're experiencing pain, I recommend, I'm not a doctor, but speaking to your doctor and potentially looking into pelvic floor ther physical therapy. But it hits a point where then it felt better and it started to feel like, okay, this feels good. It's sex. I enjoy this. However, you're still postpartum. I, at this point, was still breastfeeding. I am motherfucking exhausted, and I am so touched out. I can't even fathom someone else touching my body. And that's where I think the, like, postpartum sex, like, never having sex conversation sparks from. Because... Postpartum women are so overworked in every aspect of every way. We're emotionally exhausted. Our hormones are through the fucking roof. We feel just running on empty. If you're breastfeeding, and even if you're not, but especially if you're breastfeeding, the physicality and like feeling touched out of something always being on your body and like constantly feeling like your body is serving this other purpose is so overwhelming and something I was not prepared for. And for me specifically, I just felt so disconnected to the sexual aspect of my body because my body was such a tool to keep someone else alive where it, for me, did not feel at all like the body I've been used to 
for the last 30 years of my life that I fell in touch with my sexuality. It was just like, this body serves a purpose. And the purpose is to grow a baby, to birth a baby, and to feed a baby. And that was a really hard disconnect for my brain to re-tap into the sexuality. And quite honestly, I don't think that happened for me personally until I stopped breastfeeding. Because I think the breastfeeding for me played a huge role in that because it really is such like a function. And again, there's someone just always on you. And so it's that feeling touched out. And I just felt like I was constantly covered in breast milk. I am so pumped to share today's episode sponsor, Canopy. If you've been here for a while, you know that I added a Canopy humidifier to my bedroom and my son's nursery once he was born. I am so in love with the product and company, and I am so glad that I made the switch. Historically, all of the humidifiers I used were not only not aesthetically pleasing, but most importantly, they were also so moldy and were impossible to maintain. When I saw the mold growing in the base of one and realized that that was what was being put into my face night after night, I knew it was time to switch. That is why I love Canopy so much. The Canopy humidifier is a completely reimagined humidifier that elevates your home for the ultimate skincare and wellness benefits. Not only is it beautiful to the eye and fits into my decor perfectly, but the unique features and design make it the easiest and cleanest humidifier out there. Remember what I said about that moldy base of my old humidifier I had? Well, the Canopy humidifier has a clean, no mist moisture that effortlessly hydrates your skin and and its hassle-free technology inhibits mold growth. Plus, the parts can go right in the dishwasher. It is really that easy. You better believe I will be putting them all over our new home. If you're interested in trying Canopy Humidifier in your own home, go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy Humidifier purchase today with Canopy's filter subscription. Even better, use code Cameron at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Your skin will thank you. Today's episode is sponsored by a company that I mention all of the time and one that I love so freaking much, a brand that I've been taking daily for over three years now, none other than Athletic Greens. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted to support my health first thing in the morning and add on to my morning routine in a way that prioritized my overall well-being. I take AG1 first thing in the morning after I meditate and before I go on with my day, and it makes me feel like I am doing something good for for my body before the sun has even risen. You guys know by now that mornings are super important to me and I am a big believer in routine. My morning routine is what keeps me grounded and what sets the tone for the day. Plus, it is my me time that prioritizes my mental and overall health. I use this time to drink AG1, journal, set my intentions for the day, and enjoy some peace and quiet before the rest of my house wakes up. To get specific, since you may love details as much as I do, I wake up, I head straight to my couch to do my 20 minutes of meditation, then I go to my kitchen and make my AG1 and my coffee for the morning, and then I get back on my couch and enjoy my AG1 while I do my morning journaling for about five minutes. Then it is coffee and coloring time, or what I have been doing lately is actually doing my morning movement while I enjoy my coffee so that I am ready to be present with my son when he wakes up. 
Like mine and Joe's, AG1 has been a part of millions of mornings since 2010. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash FFF. That's athleticgreens.com slash FFF. Check it out. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am Divorced Not Dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel, or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorce Not Dead. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey, so buckle up. Before I get into like sex as parents in that like non postpartum phase, I want to go into like things that you guys wish people talked about more. So I'm just going to list off some of the things you guys said because they're spot fucking on. The six week clearance does not mean you need to and that you're necessarily healed. Hear that again. Also, if you're with someone that's like pressuring you being like, well, it's been six weeks. Let's have sex. Let's reassess that whole situation because no, no, no. The feelings of exhaustion and being touched out are so real. So, so real. Low libido while breastfeeding. I don't know the statistics, but I sure as hell know that I had very little, if not non-existent, libido while I personally was breastfeeding. Sleep is a priority over everything. That's another thing. Like after those long days with a fresh, and not even fresh, even like month five, six, seven, After those days, and even still sometimes today, the number one most important thing to me is sleep. And like if you're getting in bed, and I think this this doesn't just, I'm not even speaking as just a mom. I think this goes for like everyone involved as a parent. Sometimes it's just sleep is a priority, which we'll get to in a second because you don't always have to be having sex at the end of the day. The weirdness of fucking with a kid in the next room. I can't fully relate to that from personal experience because our child's room is not like necessarily next door and we personally didn't ever like do anything sexual while he was still sleeping in our room, but I can totally understand that. Similarly, how to get in the mood and like turning things on and off. It's really hard to switch your brain and this is something I'm still struggling with sometimes. It is so hard to switch your brain from like mom to sexual. Like just that small little thing to flip into can be tough sometimes because your brain also has so many things running through it constantly that it's really hard to be like, okay, turn all of this off. Turn off the running to-do list. I don't need to be thinking about the 10,000 things I need to do. I just want to have sex. But even if you know you want to, and even if you want to shut off your brain, it is so hard to do so. The different relationship with your body and how you see yourself. My personal journey of not feeling sexy. My boobs no longer feel sexual as they once did. My nipples are numb. Okay, this. So the different relationship with your body is so fucking real. And I know I just said this, but for me, it was really confusing to suddenly feel sexual again when my body has been such a single purpose of keeping a human alive. And especially my boobs, like breastfeeding 
they felt so unsexual that like they were just kind of off limits. A, I was nervous that like the second they were touched or anything was happening with them, milk would spray out because I had an oversupply and that fear was real. So they were off limits. But B, they just felt so specifically overtouched that all sexual aspect of them had been lost. And even after breastfeeding, I've mentioned this before. My boobs are like something that I have had this like interesting relationship with personally when you bring in sexuality over the past two years because they've changed so much since giving birth and breastfeeding that they're much smaller than they ever were. And that was something for me that like mentally felt sexual, my boobs specifically before getting pregnant because I loved them and I just felt like feminine with them. And now I've had to rewire my brain to like still love them and still find myself sexy with their different shape. I don't know. It took work personally. I think I'm now at a place where I do find myself beautiful and sexy, but I know that I personally struggled with that. The nipples feeling numb. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Like, what the hell? The Like, nipple play, so great. But it just isn't the same. Because they've been fucking through the ringer. Okay? That you constantly need to check in with the one who birthed the watermelon. Yeah, you do. If you are with a partner who gave birth, whether it be through C-section or vaginal, there should be a constant check-in of like, how does this feel? How are you doing mentally? Is this working for you? Especially in the beginning, conversation and communication is so key because the person who didn't give birth is probably having a very similar sexual experience than they have historically. And the person who gave birth is having a very different sexual experience. So there needs to be communication between the two. Another one that someone said that they wish was discussed more is specifically while nursing, the dried hoo-ha. That's a hormonal thing. I don't know the actual information around it all. I'm not a doctor. But yeah, personally, and from all of my friends, can confirm that that is a thing that also comes into play. The guilt associated with not having interest in it. A few of you said this, and I think this is interesting because I think it's hard to come to terms with personally because it's this shift in mentality. And it's like, wait, I used to love this, or this used to be such a priority for me, or all of those things. And then now it not being, that's a mental fuckery to come around. And then also I get... I don't know if I like the word guilt, but the feeling of like confusion around it still being something of such interest to the non-birthing partner versus you having a different relationship with it now and figuring out where that middle ground is. And then a lot of you said that you sometimes have to schedule it and you wish more people talked about this. So many people sent this in. And my mind goes to that show. I think it was Little Fires Everywhere, but I could be wrong. How they said that they scheduled sex for like Tuesday and Thursday mornings. I think that was it. Or it was some show. And this was before I had a kid. And I was like, oh my God, that's so sad. What? Like scheduling sex? God. And now I'm like, yeah, I fucking get it. 
I understand. Guaranteed to get it in. Like, I'm not judging you whatsoever. And a lot of you said this. So I think it's actually very common. I want to go through the polls. I polled you guys uh, on how often you have sex. If you do not have kids and if you have kids. So without kids, 49%, the largest percent, said two to three times a week. And that's the bucket that I fell in without children. 36% of you said one time a week. 11% of you said one time a month. And 4% of you said every day. You fucking get it, people. With kids, 47% said one time a week. And that was the most common. 32%, so close, said one time a month. 19% said two to three times a week. And 2% said every day. Two percenters, please call in so that we can chat with you and figure out how this is happening. I have respect for you. I have respect for everyone. But like that two percenter, you're doing something. Personally, I don't know. It varies on the week. I would say one to two times, sometimes three, but probably one to two times. So I want to talk about my experience with like sex as partners. And then I'll dive into some of your questions and some of your stories. Okay. So sex as parents, it's been very interesting. And this journey has been an evolution. I talked about the early postpartum and then breastfeeding. Once I stopped breastfeeding is when I started to feel like more sexual, but still not the same. And I don't know if I'll ever feel 100% as sexual as I once did. That being said, personally, and I know actually a handful of you have messaged me this, I'm having the best sex of my life, which is shocking. I'm not going to lie. I'm surprised by that. And I've heard someone say that before, and I was like, yeah, fucking right. But I am. And I think that there's a multitude of things that have played into this. So I'm going to help anyone listening who wants to maybe get there. First and foremost, you have to make it a priority. And I know that that doesn't sound sexy, but like having a kid is not sexy. I'm sorry. It's not. So like some aspects of the sexiness is taken out of all this. Do I like the scheduling of sex? Personally, I don't. I think one of the hottest things is like spontaneity. And as I mentioned, you lose a lot of that when you have a child simply because of like their schedule and their presence. But I still prefer to keep an aspect of spontaneity around it. So like that means making it a priority for me means in my head checking in of like, have we been having sex frequently? When was the last time we had sex? Am I in the mood to have sex? And then maybe I'm making the first move, but making it a priority. And I don't love the like, do you want to have sex question? It's like, let's start making the moves. And then it turns into sex. And then it's like, whoop, here we are. The hardest thing I find is that I enjoy day sex. At the end of the day, I am fucking tired. I am exhausted. This has always been the case, but even more so with the child. I want to go to sleep. And day sex becomes hard with the kid because the kid's either home and awake, so it's not happening. The kid's napping, but some days we have childcare, so it's not happening. Or there's just too much going on. So day sex has become less of a thing. However, every once in a while when it can be snuck in, still my preferred and favorite. Night sex, what I will personally say, 
is something I became more interested in, shockingly, over the last maybe call it five, six months, where even though I'm so tired, I feel less exhausted now than I did when I first had a kid. And for all of my people who also partake in cannabis, I have a newfound love for edible sex. And I historically like wrote off sex after weed. I don't actually know why, but I love it. And this, along with a few other things, is I think what has helped me reclaim and refine my sexuality as a parent because it's really fucking easy to lose. Other things that I think have helped with this, I talk about this and you know what, judge all you want, romance novels. Ladies, if you are feeling like you've lost your sex drive or you just are not interested in sex or you're a mom and you're just like, I'm fucking exhausted. It's the last thing on my mind. Get yourself a romance novel and then call me because some of these books I've been reading, Joe calls them my like, he's like, oh, your books get you all horned up. These books will change things for you. If you look on my Instagram, there's a highlight called books. I talk about like my love for spicy romance novels. Judge all you want. I don't fucking care. They are mindless reads. It helps my brain shut off at the end of the day. And it has helped me tap back into my sexuality. So I'm all for them. And I feel no shame admitting that. What I recommend, number one, if you are willing to get into like a fantasy aspect of things is A Court of Thorn and Roses. The people who have read this, per my recommendation, have been up in my DMs praising me for this. So I stand on statistics of the FF fam that this will do wonders for you, your sexuality, and your sex life. The other thing, bring some toys into the bedroom. I don't know why there's such a stigma around bringing toys into a bedroom. Like I am all for toys. And specifically, I was listening to a podcast recently that was like, for the most part, if you assume a heterosexual relationship, The male is typically orgasming almost every time, right? However, if I asked you all, I would actually love to do this poll, but I didn't do it beforehand, so I apologize, but maybe I'll do it at release date. If I asked you all the percentage of how many times you orgasmed, based on like conversations I have with friends, based on conversations I have in my DMs, I'd venture to say it's definitely not 100%. And I actually don't know how high it would be. I'm going to take a guess and we're going to do this on my Instagram today that this episode releases. So stay tuned. But I would guess it's somewhere in the 60 to 70% range. That number should be as close to 100% as possible. And if that means that you need to bring toys involved to guarantee that you're orgasming, that's like no shame to you. That's no shame to your partner. That's no shame to anything. That's just a matter of fact that it's harder for us as women to orgasm. And I want you orgasming every single time because that also is going to make you more interested in sex. Of course, if you said to a guy like, oh, you're probably going to orgasm 50% of the time, are they going to want to have sex every time? I think this was a Call Her Daddy episode. Probably not. They're probably not going to be as interested in sex. But like that's why toys are so vital and so important because the female should also be orgasming almost every single time. And sometimes you have to like play around and figure out what works for you. So bringing toys into the bedroom, music. Someone messaged me being like, wait, we're still listening to music when we have sex. I don't know if everyone else is, but it helps set the mood. For Like I am a mood person. Okay. And 
music sets that mood for me. I don't know what it is, but I'm all for music in the bedroom. I'm really fucking lay it all out there. But I have a playlist. I'll link it in the show notes. I fucking hate the image of the playlist. I hate it so much. But it's a Spotify playlist and I love it. And I also hate that when we go, this is a sidebar, when we go to play like the songs that Liam loves, like the affirmation song and music for sushi restaurant on our Spotify, on our TV, which we do like daily, it pops up as like most recently played the sex playlist. So it's like, you know, if anyone else is in the house, like whether we had sex the night before or not, because it's the most, it's like the number one next thing to play. So I hate that, but I love the playlist. The other biggest thing I think when it comes to sex as parents, and I forget what TikTok I saw on this, and it's something I've said to my husband like multiple times is foreplay starts the second I wake up. So pre having a child, foreplay was like right before having sex. And it was like, oh, what got me in the mood? And then we were having sex, all that stuff. This starts the second I wake up. So if there are things that he is doing like, Actually, I'll give you a prime example. The other weekend, we were at our friends and we were like leaving in the morning to go back home. And I had been having a really hard week and we had just talked about this. And I was saying how I could like use more support. And we're all hanging out and he's like, okay, I'm going to go down to the bathroom, brush my teeth, whatever, and then we'll leave. So he's doing that. I'm taking care of Liam. And he comes back upstairs and he's like, Okay, I packed up all of Liam's stuff. I put away the pack and play, packed up the sumbler, like packed up his bag, washed the bottles. Everything's ready to go. I looked at him and I was like, that's the hottest fucking thing you've ever said to me. That is what we call foreplay as parents. I don't care how pathetic you think that is. That is foreplay in my mind. And I think many other mothers' minds. So foreplay legitimately starts the second I wake up. And if there's a day spent of like, us nagging at each other or like just not being on the same terms or shit that the other is doing that's frustrating or like exhausting day as a parent. Like that's the days where I'm like, I'm not that interested in having sex. But the days where like the little things or boxes are being checked off, like actively doing things without me asking or like proactively taking charge of things, that is foreplay. And also, you know what? Maybe some of you will send this to your partner. So maybe there are some partners listening who are trying to like help their wives, mothers get back into it. The other thing is the decision fatigue is so real as a mom. I'm just exhausted of like being in charge and taking control and making decisions for everyone. Please tell me my parents are not listening, but I don't want to be in control. I want to be taking control of. And I think a lot of moms will agree with that. The other thing is speaking your needs. This is so vital. And this is something I always felt like I did, but then I think we've really come into over time and especially recently where like speak what you want. I know that again, this isn't like considered sexy. If if it's going to lead to the best sex you're having, then what does it matter? And like Check in with each other. Be like, did you like after the fact or in the fact, whatever? Like, did you like that type of thing? Did you like XYZ better? What did you like? Joe actually hates when I do this. He's like, why are you trying to like run through tape with me? We don't need to sit here and do this. And I'm like, but it's helpful for me because A, 
It helps me speak my needs. B, it helps me check in with you so I know. I'm not saying you do this every time whatsoever, but every once in a while, or it's like, hey, I heard about this, or my friend said this, or I saw this, or whatever. Can we try this? Check in. Speak your needs. Like, say what you want and what feels good. I I don't think that's like, it's not profound advice at all, but I feel like a lot of us are for some reason afraid to do that. I don't know. I think communication is what has made sex like the best. I also think that there is this new connection when you are parents that like it elevates it to a different level. And then simultaneously, like what I think has led to the best sex for me is making time for it. And again, like making it a priority, which isn't always deemed sexy, quote unquote, but making it a priority because whenever I have sex, I'm like so happy I had sex and I love having sex. But sometimes I need that like little extra push to be like, I want to have sex right now because sometimes I'm just fucking tired and it's the last thing on my mind. And I know a lot of you can like relate and understand that because I see it in my DMs. But every time I make a, make it a priority and make time for it, I'm happy I did. So sometimes it's coming to terms with it in your mind, being like, I always love it when it's happening and after it's happened. You just need that extra oomph in your brain to be like, I want to have sex. And that is where my romance novels come in. Joe's actually going to fucking hate me for this. Also, we've talked about the like inability to have spontaneous sex as parents. This is why I also think it's so important to set time for yourself away from parenting and away from your child. Like going on a weekend trip, it doesn't even have to be far or like sending your child to your parents' house for like a weekend with the grandparents. Having some time where you're able to re-spark that spontaneity. You're able to feel it again. Like that is so fun. And that was Italy for us where I was like, oh my God, I forgot what spontaneous sex feels like. This is so wonderful. And even though we can't have it typically like all the time at home with our current lifestyle, it's not forever gone. It's just right now not as easily attainable. I'm going to read some of your stories now and I have a handful. So we're going to go through a decent amount. I am 10 months postpartum and sometimes approaching my fiance to engage in sex feels scarier than it did when I lost my freaking virginity. This body is still foreign. I feel like it was seriously starting over again. I feel like it was seriously like starting over again. Something I struggle with is the should aspect of it all. Example, it's 8 p.m. We're on the couch. We haven't had sex in a few days, maybe a week. I should initiate it because frequent sex keeps things healthy in my relationship, but I'm so fucking tired. This is exactly what I'm talking about. For me, sex is so vital for like personally feeling connected. And I know that. And so again, there are times where I'm just fucking exhausted. It's not the first thing on my mind. But I know that it helps in that moment, the next day, in longer term with my personal connection. And so that's where making it a priority is important. I'm not saying you should feel guilty if you're not, but I'm saying if you know that you want to be having more sex and you know that it helps with your connection, then figuring out a way to make it a priority, and that's going to look different for every single person. 
but so that it's less of this feeling of like I should and more of this like I want to because I know what I it's a priority. I enjoy it and I feel more connected and I feel more in tune with my personal sexuality. So that's what I mean by making it a priority. Sex in my postpartum body and self is so incredibly different and I want more than anything for it to go back to how it was before. I had my son 10 months ago and I thought by this point everything would feel the same, body, mind, and soul, but that's just not the case. I don't know if it's that my body, physic, and internal organs downstairs are now different or what, but my sex drive is extremely low compared to before birth, as well as my level of enjoyment and satisfaction in the act. Sex was a super important and enjoyable part of my relationship with my husband prior to having my son, and I feel like now more than ever, it's important to enjoy it to connect on an intimate level. However, it just hits so differently for me now. Hoping I'll go back to my heightened sex drive and level of enjoyment soon. I share this because I think so many women feel this way. I know at month 10, honestly, I can tap more back into that month like seven, eight in my brain personally, but like I 100% agreed and felt similarly. And that's why I want to have this conversation. I want to share these stories, A, so that other people know that they're not alone in these feelings, but B, to help us hopefully tap back into that sexuality because some of the things that I've mentioned thus far for me personally is what's led to that evolution. I am someone who has had body image issues my entire life, so sex during pregnancy and postpartum was pretty hard for me. I went from having a huge belly to huge boobs since I chose to breastfeed to now having the smallest boobs I've ever had in my entire life. In the course of a year, my body changed so much, which was extremely difficult for me to grasp. I did not feel sexy whatsoever, especially while nursing. I also struggled hugely with my hormones while breastfeeding and was a miserable person, which is what led to me stopping around six-ish months. Thankfully, I have an amazingly understanding partner partner who was so patient during the craziness of postpartum. I know you've said this too, but I feel like sex is extremely important in feeling close to your partner. Since about eight months postpartum, I've definitely started to feel like myself again, and my husband and I are back to having sex one to two times a week. But eight months? quite a ways away from that six-week post-baby checkup when you get the go-ahead. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, ladies, if you aren't ready at the six-week checkup, it's okay. Your body has been through a shit ton, and it took nine months to create life. Don't feel bad if it takes longer to feel like yourself again. Mike fucking drop. That's what I've been saying. This six-week checkup is such fucking bullshit. Like, I have so many thoughts on this, but your body takes so long to create this human. Why do we think it's going to just whoop? okay, we're back. Act like it never happened. That is not reality. I'm sure my experience was not unique, but it honestly felt really fucking isolating in the midst of it. I had a relatively uncomplicated pregnancy and birth. I hated having sex during pregnancy, but I was really expecting to quote unquote fix that postpartum because it's always been an important part of my relationship and I wanted to connect with my partner like that again. I was cleared by my OB at six week postpartum and went home to be like, okay, let's do it. But it felt so uncomfortable and painful for me. I had never heard anyone really talk about this before. I knew sex postpartum would change because we have other priorities, obviously, but I didn't think my body would be affected like this. We kept trying probably once a week for a few months because I could tell my partner wanted that, but I just hated my experience. Looking back, I was way too distracted by my literal newborn baby and also not confident in my body, which really adds to that but no one talks about it. I remember having thoughts like, how the hell will I ever be able to conceive another child if I can't enjoy sex anymore, which is so dramatic, but it truly felt that way. Those first few months postpartum felt like an eternity. My son will be 10 months this weekend and I'm finally getting my groove back. I don't know exactly what clicked, but a lot of it was just waiting and giving my body time to heal from having a fucking baby. You see? You guys, like, 
this is why I'm sharing these stories because look, we all have similar experiences. I know for me, I've said this before, it took nine months for me mentally to feel like a human ready to take on the world. Sexuality aside, that was when I like started to find my personal groove again. And I don't know why we've been told this lie that like we're supposed to be ourselves again after six weeks because that is sure as fuck not true. My husband and I waited the recommended six weeks, mostly because I just wasn't feeling great down there until that time. Well, also, you just should not have sex before that. I had a C-section too, so there wasn't any tearing to even be concerned with, and I was still sore. The first time we tried sex after baby, it honestly felt like a cheese grater to my vagina. Oh, my God. I love you guys. We waited a few weeks and tried again, and this time a good dose of lube, and it was great. Minus my boobs leaking breast milk everywhere. The advice I would give someone in my position is to focus on your self-pleasure, not just your partners. That goes for anyone in any relationship, but especially new moms. When I was pregnant, I was too pregnant to feel like having sex or be able to find a position that was comfortable in. I lost interest in sex, but my husband didn't, so I was giving a lot of hand jobs, which was fine at the time. After giving birth and having time to heal, I was ready to enjoy sex again. I had a conversation about it with my husband, and he was more than happy to be on the giving end. I ordered a few new vibrators and some new lube to try. I think the sexy care package really helped me get in the mood and helped me enjoy being sexual again post-baby. You see? Toys. And... Also, I forgot to mention this, but like when we talk about the dryness of a hoo-ha while breastfeeding, which one of you said, that's why I'm using that terminology, and also this cheese grater that this writer so kindly used the terminology for, if you're not like lube, why, why? If you especially have given birth and you're not using some form of, please do yourself a favor and use lube. I personally am a coconut oil girl, but I know that if you have like history of yeast infections, I don't think it's that great for you. I don't. I love coconut oil, but girl, get yourself some lube. I had a second degree tear during my labor and needed stitches. I remember when I was six weeks postpartum, I was still in a lot of pain and healing and thought there is no way I would able to be have vaginal or intercourse anytime soon. I literally said to Joe recently that I have trouble reading aloud and I don't know if it's my reading comprehension. I don't know if it's my speech impediment, but it is so hard for me. And you guys are seeing this firsthand. Okay, back to the story. I can't remember how long we waited postpartum to have sex, but it was painful and not enjoyable. For the next several months, I continued to not feel good and I had no sex drive. I was breastfeeding and co-sleeping because we had an awful sleeper and it just took that path of least resistance in order for the three of us to get the most sleep. This obviously did not help. But at eight months postpartum, something changed. We were on vacation, and after we put the baby to sleep in the bedroom of our Airbnb, we were hanging on the couch. One thing led to the other, and we had sex. Spontaneity. It had probably been a while since the last time, so there was some buildup, but it was one of the most passionate nights we've ever had. From there, it still took time to get back to having consistent sex, but once it was fully healed and it started to feel good again, I realized that the sex was even better after baby than before. It felt better and there was more passion and intimacy than ever before. When I spoke about this with my friends, we realized we had very similar experiences. We both had a lot of pain and it took us a while to have sex again and even longer to have consistent sex. However, the sex was just better, even if it was rare during certain seasons of having a baby and toddler. Now my baby is six and I have incredible sex. I have a super supportive, patient, and loving partner, which helped relieve any pressure I put on myself in the early days after baby to get back at it. Be patient with yourself and see a pelvic floor therapist if you have resources. I wish I would have known more about pelvic floor therapy at the time, but my friend said it was the number one thing that helped her heal. 
I love that parents out there are having the best sex of their lives because, again, I had heard people say this and I was like, how is that even possible? Like, you've got a kid, your body's just been through shit, aren't you tired, you've got a lot going on. But once you figure it out, it's possible. I also just think the connection, like, changes. Now, this is about scheduling sex. It's embarrassing and there's no embarrassment around here, you guys. It's not embarrassing. But my husband and I have specific target days for sex twice a week. It doesn't mean it can't happen outside of that, but having scheduled days helps. It may not seem romantic, but that's part of our life with kids. We notice such a change when we stick to it in our connection and mood. It helps me proactively fight the exhaustion and or initiate at times that are not when we are going to sleep. So some of you guys are doing this, and I think maybe if you're interested, like give it a try. Why not? Can't hurt. Report back, please. So I've pretty much laid everything possible out there for you all. And I know I'm going to have this like vulnerability hangover that I get sometimes where I'm like, why did I say that? There's no way I am going to re-listen to this episode. I am praying that certain people in my life will not listen to this episode. But what I am most hoping is that this helps people out there because I think this is a really important topic and it's one that I touch on briefly and like sporadically throughout my content, but it's also one that a lot of you are in my DMs about and I think it's really fucking important and A, I want to like break any type of stigma, embarrassment, any of that around this subject, but B, I want to empower the FF fam, specifically the women, specifically the mothers out there to be having the best sex of their lives. So what are our key takeaways? Speak your needs, communication, make it a priority if it feels right for you, toys, lube, music, romance novels, remembering that you're a fucking bad sexy bitch. Sometimes, sometimes it might just take you listening to some like inspiring sexy music, naked, pumping yourself up and doing some self-pleasure. Maybe that's what it takes to tap back into your sexuality. Everyone's going to be different. But let's explore. Have fun. Sex is supposed to be fun, right? Like, it's such an incredible aspect of our lives. And it should be something that we look at with excitement and joy and, like, pleasure rather than a chore. So thanks for coming to my sex talk. I hope it helped. I hope you still love me. And I hope you have great sex. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at, at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.